This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Usually, I'm calling from L.A., 9 o'clock in the morning in L.A., but I am in New York, just, uh, here for the weekend, cousin's wedding. I noticed the voice. I lost a lot of it, and but the show must go on, as they say in Hollywood. So I'm saying it now from New York. Anyway, here for you, here for your pets, here to talk about anything, anything you want to talk about. That's why we're here. And uh, so, as you know, I'm always ready to go. If you want to get a hold of me, a couple of easy ways to do it. Number one, you can just give me a call, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also get a hold of me right here live on Pet Life Radio. You go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, click on the link that our producer Mark left for you, and you can actually join me here live. And of course, we have my IG live. And that is where you can type in any question, anything you want, anything that's bugging you, any problem you've had with your pet that you want a little more explanation. As we know, it's really hard to get a hold of your vets right now. So the perfect way to answer your questions is joining me here live on Pet Life Radio, on Instagram, and uh, we can help you out. So that is why I'm here, and that is what we will do. Anyway, so as I'm waiting for those of you to get the courage to ask me a question, subject matter you want to talk about, uh, we can, uh, of course, I always kind of peruse the news on some of the veterinary websites, finding stories that I think would you find interesting as well. But let's see. Ah, we'll start right here. So my cat has thrown up twice over the last two days. She's going to get a little concerned. Her diet hasn't changed. So let's assume for a second that we're dealing with an indoor-only cat. Hopefully we are. If it's indoor-outdoor, that opens up for many more possibilities of what could be going on. What I'd like to know also, hear my thoughts right now. So first of all, if we're indoor only and there's been no change in diet, how old is the cat? Because sometimes when dogs get something called IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, the number one symptom is diarrhea. But when cats get IBD, their number one symptom is vomiting. And they can otherwise be acting totally fine. They can't wait for the next meal. So one of the things we always think about is maybe an IBD. If this is out of the blue and nothing's changed, I would think of, these are the questions I would ask. Are there any plants around the house? A lot of times cats, they're not going outside eating grass, but they could be sucking on plants. That could be one of the issues. And then also hairballs. So if the cats are grooming themselves, and I hear this all the time, no, but he didn't vomit any hairballs. They're not always going to vomit a hairball. Only that which is in the stomach comes up through vomitus. So if this hairball made itself out of the stomach, now it's somewhere in the intestine duodenum, ileum, jejunum, etc. then it will still cause vomiting. It still causes the backup, but the hairball itself will not come up anymore. It's already past the stomach. So again, people say, well, it's not hairballs because he didn't throw up a hairball. They can throw up even because of hairballs, but not throw up the hairball. So one of the things, if, again, if everything is normal, a younger cat, then I would say, you know what? Put him on a hairball remedy. And what I usually do is I like uh, many of them out there. The one that I like the best is called Lax Air. No, I don't, I'm not involved in the company. I don't, I don't make a dime. I'm just telling you that my cats seem to like it the best. And most cats that I've tried it on seem to, I mean, they literally lick it off your finger. So it's Lax Air. Um, I think it's made by Zoetis. But anyway, it's well tolerated by cats. So that's one thing I would do. Okay, now another one, 
Roux vomit hairballs, but the liquid becomes is very dark, almost black, as is normal. Well, it really depends on what's going on in the stomach and the stomach acid. If the uh, there's other debris in the stomach and it's sitting there for a while, yes, with digestion, it can turn darker. And again, if roux is really good in every other way, then it's probably nothing to worry about. Increase the hairball remedy. When using hairball remedy for the first time, I often recommend doing it like for four consecutive days and then uh, maybe two to three times a week as a maintenance. And um, I think that's my recommendation. So try that, of course, first. If, for both of you, if the vomiting persists despite all this, then it's time to see your doc or me if you're in LA. But anyway, good luck getting into your doc, though. They'll see you. It might be, you know, two weeks down the road. But, you know, oftentimes, as long as the cat is normal in every other regard, eating the litter box, everything is good, then we'll go from there. All right. Yeah, it would have been good to know that um, about the uh, the hairball volume. But at least for now, since everything looked good, and I don't know if you saw, I took the picture and, and uh, posted it, and I said something about for all you Maine Coon fans out there, eat your hearts out as I'm holding these two magnificent, I mean, magnificent cats. And uh, yeah, it was, they, they were a lot of fun. Okay. So any other questions? Now's your chance. Otherwise, we'll start uh, talking a little bit. And, and obviously, break in. If you, if you have something you want to talk about, I love to talk about things and help you with your pets. So just kind of chime in and we'll stop. Anyway, so here are some of the things that I had planned to talk about. And we've touched on it before. There's more and more out there now about CDS, cognitive dysfunction syndrome, or also known as CCD, canine cognitive dysfunction. And uh, so uh, what we're finding out is that there's more to it. We're learning more about it. And inactivity, and we already talked about impaired hearing and impaired sight, are all risk factors for canine dementia. So inactivity, you can't sometimes always help the hearing, and you can't always help the sight. That just might be a, a predecessor of the possibility of canine cognitive dysfunction. However, you can work on the activity, and you really want to get them out. It's almost like they say, people, get your mind active. Do a lot of reading. I mean, you know, my dad passed at 91, but he was an avid reader and he was sharp as a tack. So, so, uh, you know, literally till the day he went. So I'm sure there's genetics involved as well, but the key real is staying active. So 14 to 35% of elderly dogs develop some form of cognitive dysfunction and it's uh, neural disorders and impaired hearing and sight are also risk factors. So owners of aging dogs should try to stick to routines. All right. Avoid rearranging things like, like furniture. You want to keep them sharp. You don't want to get them frustrated is what it boils down to. Keep your yard secure because if they start losing it, they might try to you know wander outside. And what else? Oh, be aware that many of them, maybe because of some partial sight loss, might become a little disoriented during sunset. So when it gets a little darker, they may not do as well. They're not as sharp. And that you know that's a sign that there may be something going on with their sight. So again, something to keep in mind, but I will tell you as, as much as you can to do to keep them mentally active is going to help them. How long after a dog's cycle are they at risk of pseudo-pregnancy? Well, you know, normally pregnancy is anywhere. It's basically 63 days plus or minus five. So you're looking at 58 to 68 days. So that's about when you'll get a pseudo-pregnancy. And so what happens there is even though they're not pregnant, don't panic. You know, you have no male dog around, indoor only dog, it still can happen. And so hormonally, it's almost tricking the body into thinking that they are actually pregnant. So it's around that time they start nesting, their vulva will swell, and they will actually, actually have milk. 
all right, out of the mammary glands. So the nipples, you squeeze them and you'll see milk coming out. So they're acting pregnant. They have milk, they're nesting, but not to worry, they're not pregnant. No divine conception going on here. It does happen. And, um, you know, again, my feeling is, as you all know, that we like to have dogs have their first heats. And unless you have done a lot of homework on your own and read everything there is to read about golden retrievers, that would be the only dog that one might be able to argue that, unless they're a breeding dog, of course, that they should not be spayed or neutered. But I will tell you that I think that every other breed after the first heat, now even small breeds that we used to say, oh no, six months is fine before the first heat. Most of the, the experts that I speak with and read about are now recommending letting them all have one heat. But you still, because of breast cancer reduction, risk reduction, you want to spay them prior to that second heat, usually around 14 months. And um, oh, and remember, for those of you who may not know, that dogs are not like, they don't cycle monthly like women. So we're talking once every seven months. So the first heat usually, if the dog read the book, is going to happen around seven months of age. And then thereafter, it's every seven months. But I've had some, and my good friend that I, I've known, oh my God, we went to Berkeley together. We had our Labradors on campus together, Dr. Autumn Davidson. The last time after college, I saw her was when she came to vet school. She was, I think, a year or two below me at UC Davis. Uh, she went on to become a reproductive specialist. And I called her once because I had a, a large breed that was 11 months. I might think, well, wow, does that mean that we had a first heat was silent and she had it? Or she just delayed that very first heat. And what they're seeing is, especially in the large breed dogs, a lot of them did not read the same book. They're not going to have their first heat at seven months. It might be even 11 months, even 12 months. She said she had one that went 13 months. So I'm more selective now when we decide and talk about when that first heat was, was thought to be silent, but it actually just hadn't happened yet. So, um, and that, those are the tough ones because then we don't really know when we should or shouldn't spay. So uh, it does happen. Okay. It's a paracotrio, safe for young Frenchies. Yes, I have Frenchies. I've used a Nexgard and I've used Brevecto. You know, there are certain dogs that might have some sensitivities. And I could tell you that it was mentioned earlier, this is a genetic condition and a test that can be run. It's called the MDR1. And all four of the isoxazoline flea and tick products um, were actually safe for Frenchies. So, and for all dogs, actually. So it's not just Frenchies. So I have not had a problem. Now, you hear stories, you know, look, you can go online and look, I'm not, again, Rimadil has been on the market forever. Now you have Carprofen, you have Vetprofen. It's lost in seven years. You have all these generic companies coming up with the Carprofen, making their own versions of it. If you read up online about Rimadil, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. Stay away from it. It's killing dogs, right? That is not true. What happened was, and this was a mistake that many of us made because it was brand new and it was amazing. And that is, there were two dose ranges that were originally offered for pet parents for their pets, okay? One was a twice the dose, but five days post-surgical only. And then you either stopped it or you had to drop down. But then the long-term dose was half that dose, about a milligram per pound twice a day. We started with this post-operative dose of two milligrams per pound twice a day, double the dose. So what happened was, People didn't know it was brand new. Staff didn't know. The owners didn't know. They were the results, especially when it came to um, problems like arthritis, were so dramatic that they were kept going and they would call for a refill. And the staff didn't really know either, so they would refill it. Oh, doc, is it okay if we refill the remedy? And we said, sure. You know. So we all learned the hard way, 
In fact, I had one of the very first cases. It was a dog's name was Kugel, uh, Selko. And Kugel gets really, really sick and was doing great, great. And all of a sudden, very, very sick. Liver enzymes were off the charts. So I get the blood work off the charts. We do a bleeding panel and I do a liver biopsy. And I didn't have to call the lab. The lab called me and this doctor gets on the phone. Dr. Werber, hi, Dr. So-and-so from, from the lab. Let me ask a question. This Selco dog, were you by any chance, was he by any chance or she by any chance on that new remedial drug? And I, I said, yes. He goes, well, I have to tell you, she is in liver failure. And judging from the other cases that we've seen in the past, she probably won't make it. Oh my God. Well, it turns out the owner called for a refill twice. And it was in the record the first time it was a mistake. The second time was a mistake because of the first mistake. And the receptionist, you know, went ahead and refilled it. It had a VCPR. It was in and it was working so beautifully. So this dog got three times the doses, the first 10, five days, and then refilled it, refilled it again. And that's all it took. So now there is no double dose. They took it off the market. It's only the one dose and it's a very safe drug. Now, by the way, Kugel made it. I was one of the few cases, pulled this dog through, and uh, that was a win. Anyway, before we go on break, I do want to say that as far as exosaxolines, those are Credilio, Semperica, NexGuard, and Brevecto. Those are the four. Very, very, very effective, very safe. But there are some dogs that had predisposition to seizures or already had seizures where some of these isoxazolines, not all four of them, it might, might be all four, it might be one, will end up causing the same seizure activity. So if your dog has had a problem with seizures, then it might be smart to stay away from that isoxazolines, but they are safe traditionally. All right. So before we go on break, let's see. So uh, this, the MDR1 test, by the way, is a really great test to test for certain medications and genetic predispositions to reactions, sometimes reactions even as bad as death. So if you can, there it is. MDR1 test costs about 70 bucks at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, is, uh, uh, does the test. If you are concerned about certain medications that you've heard stories about animals having problems, you might want to have that have, talk to your veterinarian and have it sent in for that test. Anyway, Instagram, don't go away. Pet Life Radio, don't go away. Stick around after these short messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after these short words. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And we're back live here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live. I got a, a question in there. The question was about a 15-year-old animal going in for a blood test, which of course they should. Anything special, blood and urine, be part of it. I would even do it 15 if everything is routine. It wouldn't be a bad idea to get an x-ray. The only difference is cat versus dog. If you're doing a 15-year-old cat, in addition to your basic T4 thyroid test, you also want to do what's called a T4 by ED equilibrium dialysis because it's a more accurate test to diagnose hyperthyroidism which is something we commonly see in older cats and you don't want to miss it because you can have a normal t4 but a rip-roaring t4 by ed because t4 itself is affected by other conditions if there's something else going on in the cat then you can have what's called sick thyroid syndrome so that t4 drops so it can actually be high but because of sick thyroid syndrome because something else going on in the body it could drop to normal so you've looked at that alone and say, oh, my cat's normal. Ah, but if you do a T4 by ED, which is not affected by sick thyroid syndrome, then you can actually get the real value. Dogs, I'm less concerned because dogs don't you get hyperthyroidism. Now, if I suspected a dog with hypothyroidism, which is what dogs would normally get, then yes, then I would um, also do an ED. So, and uh, for New York Yankee 7, I would definitely do uh, your, your basic full blood, T4, including T4, and urinalysis. And um, and it would be bad if you've never had x-rays uh, to, to get some x-rays too, or at least a good thorough palpation. But that, that should be part of the of the exam. Okay, next up. Oh, this is a good one. Speaking of early, we talked about dementia, canine cognitive dysfunction, and some of the predisposing factors. So here's good, that many dogs are prone to hearing loss as they age. So what they recommend, a good idea, is every time you're teaching them that you want, and we do this automatically, like sit, right? A lot of people do like this, stay, you know, all those hand commands. It would be a good idea, just in general, as you are training your dogs, the basic commands, add some sort of hand command as well. So when they age, when they're getting older, that you, and they're hearing, it may not be what it used to be, happens to some of us as well, then you can go ahead and, and accompany the hand commands when they see that right? They see this, they know what it means. And and it's real. And if you look, interestingly, when I was at Davis, they have something called picnic day once a year, and all the different departments do something. So the vet school obviously puts on a great show. And one of the shows that they put on that I am forever fascinated by is called the sheepdog trials. And what they do is they take the herding dogs, could be any of the herding breeds, and you have a dog and they it starts with a closed corral with three sheep. And when the clock says go, they start. The dogs open the corral, have to get the sheep to go through an interesting obstacle course, get them ultimately back into the corral, close the corral door, and that's when the clock stops. And they're being they're timed, and they're also accuracy on the. And what's so interesting is how many different ways these dogs are trained, and some of them all hand signals. Some it's a, sh- a shout, some it's a whistle. You know, two whistles this direction, three whistles that direction, and I mean to see dogs who love what they do work is just such a pleasure. And these dogs can't wait to get out and do it. It, it is, it's amazing. Anyway, so the truth is, yeah, you want to you know, accompany with something. Leptospirosis, you know, we had a big scare in New York, big scare in Santa Monica because of bug parks and rats. And the next big city to have problems, if you live in Chicago, talk to your veterinarian, 
because you might want to get lepto uh, vaccine. Now, for me, typically lepto's always been what we call a lifestyle vaccine. Your standard dog, my dogs didn't get it, I didn't do it. But if they frequent a dog park, if they frequent doggy daycare with a lot of other dogs, or you like to take them hiking in the canyons or in the mountains, then you definitely want to get your dog lepto vaccine and maybe, maybe even rattlesnake vaccine. So again, speak to your veterinarian. The reason why I stopped using it as core, because A, it was unnecessary. I'm not against vaccine, but I am against unnecessary vaccines. And of all the vaccines and the reactions that people, people that dogs get from the vaccine, one of the biggest culprits was lepto. I mean, literally, for those of you who reacted badly to a COVID vaccine, you know what it's like. That's what was happening to dogs getting lepto. So my thought was, why give them a vaccine that they're going to get a terrible reaction. They're going to be sore as hell. And um, they didn't need it. So don't do it. It's very simple. So, uh, but if they do need it, yes, you should do it. Uh, Steve, the wedding was great. We had a great time. For those of you who are, are latecomers, I'm here in New York. My cousin's fourth kid, the fourth of four, just got married last night. Now they're done with weddings. They're all all married off. And uh, she also has five grandkids already. So, all right. Oh, speaking of vaccines and reactions, this is a great story. And I, again, I learned something talking to a, a human immunologist about this. And I used to be, I'm very against multiple vaccines at the same time. And I've seen a lot of dogs get really bad reactions. So, so what happens is that it's not the number of vaccines that's causing the problem. What it is, is it's the immune system can handle the vaccine. They can handle millions of antigens at the same time. But the problem is it's not, it's not the vaccine itself, not the, the core antigen that you're injecting into the dog. It's what makes a vaccine. And you have the adjuvant, you have the preservative. So the more vaccines you give at one time, the more likely that you're going to have, potentially can have a reaction because of those things. The antigen, animals can handle it, people can handle it. They can handle, like I said, millions. And that's what this story says. They can reduce the risk of missed vaccines. So why do it, Lemony? A lot at once. Because again, once they're there, you have the client there, you have the pet there, give them all now. You don't have to worry about them not coming back for more. When I go over with them, the, the risks, the pros and cons, you know what? They let me break them down because nobody wants their pet to have a bad reaction. But if the body can handle it, if the immune system is healthy, the body can handle multiple vaccines as far as the antigen. But because adverse reactions is low in most, but when you can have an adverse reaction, the more vaccines you give, the more likely that they're going to have a bad reaction. And that is, as I said, because the preservative, the adjuvant, et cetera. So my recommendation is to break them up. When I tell a client why we're going to break them up, all you have to do is say it's for the dog's safety. Once the dog is safe, then you don't have to worry about whether you're more. They'll come back. I promise you they'll come back. And what we do also, which is something that is um, pretty normal, I guess, I'm hoping, that because I've just done the exam and I've had my hands on that dog, and all they're doing is coming back for one or two more vaccines, let's face it, techs usually give the vaccines anyway, especially if the dog is there. I don't, I don't let techs give the vaccine if they're, it's done in the room with a client. I think that the clients that are in an exam room they, and I'm working with them, they deserve to have the doctor give the vaccine. In my own philosophy, it doesn't mean it. But if the animal is at the hospital already, it was dropped off for other things and it's in the back and the vaccines are due and the exam is current within a year, then yes, I will allow my um, vaccines to be given by a technician. So what we do in a case like this, we tell them, so you don't have to wait again. You know, the wait time is, is, is pretty long now because of the overflow of clients that can't get into their vets and are coming. And so it's very, very busy. 
So therefore, I do allow, I tell the client, look, you don't have to come in and set up an appointment. It just come in, say you're here for a tech back. That means the dog's going to go in the back and have the technician give the vaccine, even the cat. So therefore, they are fine. So um, anyway, so my feeling is that it is safer depending on the dog. Now, if you've had dogs before, by the way, and have had multiple vaccines at once elsewhere, and they do great, then it's okay. The body can handle it. The antigens, I'm just worried about to decrease the reaction if you give too many in one day. So uh, yeah, they always take in the back. So I, as I said, if animals are coming in and they've already been seen and their exam is what we call current, so the VCPR, veterinary client-patient relationship, is in check within a year, and it's easier for the client and not have to wait and see the doctor and they're just coming in for vaccines, especially if they had a full exam like, you know, the last month. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay to go to the back and have it. So I see I'm running out of time. And you know what? I'm always running out of time. All right. Ooh, this is interesting. And it blew my mind to read this story because you would think that this stuff doesn't happen anymore, but it still does. So I know it's going to frustrate a lot of you as it did me, but you got to know these things. A large dog fighting operation busted in South Carolina. More than 60 federal and state law enforcement officers served search warrants across six South Carolina counties rescuing, get this, 305 dogs. They had officers served more than 23 uh, warrants and arrested more than 20 people of the 23 warrants. So that, do you believe that this still goes on? I was shocked, absolutely shocked that there's still dogs. I've seen dogs. I worked with rescues. I worked with a number of pit bull rescues. And um, you can tell some of these dogs that were used for bait dogs. Oh my God, it is horrendous to see. And to think that it still goes on is very, very frustrating for me. But um, anyway, as far as uh, um, the vaccines, two in the same day is, is probably not a problem. I will use, that is usually my limit. For example, if they're due for like this tempera parvo, which is a combo, and bordetella and rabies, I'll hold one of them back and have them, you know, have them come back for the uh, whichever one I don't do. Usually, I, I hold the rabies. I think the rabies and lepto are the ones that give the most reaction anyway. So I try to give those by themselves. I know, isn't that unbelievable? So it still goes on in certain parts of the country. It's a shame. Uh, it's embarrassing to think that people still do that. You can't be much of a dog lover, but um, it happens. Oh, thinking on the holidays, taking the dog to Canada. Think again. Check this out. Not so fast as I say, Canada has banned the importation of dogs from more than 100 countries where rabies is at a high risk. So not everyone is happy about it, of course. So you, before traveling with a dog to Canada, make sure that your area in the, in the United States is not at a high rabies risk area or else you will not be able to take your dog in. So that's a problem. Now, speaking of abuse, and I can't mention names at all, and I, obviously I shouldn't anyway, but I did see a dog this week. I just had the leg fixed, broken leg. And it turns out that a woman found a boyfriend in the house that was abusing her dogs. One two-year-old dog earlier, uh, earlier six months, eight months earlier, whatever, was uh, died mysteriously. And then she started having suspicions about her new dog, puppy, five months old. So she put some cameras out and saw this guy actually abusing the dog and um, choking it. And, and we're talking a little puppy and broke a leg. Again, I'm hoping all of you are just as shocked as I was to know that this goes on. And this dog is so cute. What, for barking? For having a bathroom accident? A puppy? What do you expect? And you know, who knows the logic? Who knows the reasoning? Who knows what goes on? But I will tell you this, that it, studies have shown, this American Humane Association has done studies 
that people that abuse dogs will happily go on to abuse people. And I'm talking physical abuse. So this is really, really serious stuff. And shockingly, it happens. It still goes on. And uh, uh, it's, it's terrible. Anyway, sorry to end on such a bad note, but uh, thanks for joining me here. As you know, all know, you can easily get a hold of me. Well, I don't know so easily. You can get a hold of me many ways here on Pet Life Radio. Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Jeff at AirVet.com. And of course, here on Instagram, you can just send me a private message. Give me your phone number. I will call you. I am a better talker. I'm sure you're so shocked to hear that. I'm a better talker than I am a texter. So I can have a... a uh, text conversation, it would take me 20 minutes. I can talk through that same conversation in three minutes. So uh, you're not bothering me. You send me a text with your number. Well, if you send me a text, I'll know your number. And then I will probably call you back. It's a lot easier for me. Anyway, we'll be here. Yes, next week, same bad time, same bad channel. That's nine of the ways. I'll be back in California. I've been going, going, heading back today. And, um, and it was great joining me here on Pet Life Radio. Again, love to answer your questions. So if you have any, please, please, please uh, let me know. Well, uh, it's most of the stuff that you've given me all is really interesting stuff that I like to share with both audiences here because, you know, that's the way we learn. Is we learn other people's issues. And I always say I guarantee, don't be embarrassed to bring something up because I guarantee there are many, many, many people out there that have the same question or just afraid to ask. So um, uh, there we are. So have a good week. And again, please uh, get a hold of me if you need to. And uh, that's it. I'm heading back today to L.A. And I will see you all next week. Be well. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.